Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, welcome one and all. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are. Uh, now that Christmas is over and the New Year's resolutions, we're going to get back to studying the book of Hebrews. Just prior to Christmas, we covered the first 12 verses. In the sixth chapter, we're going to cover the rest of those verses today. From reading verse 13, chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews. The certainty of God's promise is the heading. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. You know, men swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. And because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this by two unchangeable things in which is, it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. May God give us understanding of his word. May we be blessed by it this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we're so grateful to be here. Those that are watching and listening, we're th thankful for them that taking the time to do that. And the ones here that have taken the time and uh, put you first, which we ought to do. And if we do that, then everything will fall into place as it ought to. So this message has been prepared for each one of us to listen to and to be encouraged, build up in the faith, and to be taught for our own benefit. So help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So you do have a handout, a little quiz for you there, 10 questions. You can either fill it in as we go along or do it later on. The title of this message is The Certainty of God's Promises. The Certainty of God's Promises. Just in the way of re review, because it's been a while since we're on this subject, the Jewish believers who this letter was written to 
they were in danger of going back to the rituals of Judaism and turning their back on Christ due to their shallow faith because they were immature, plus the fact they were being persecuted, having become Christians. There was a lot of pressure on them to turn back. The writer, we don't know who he is, he wants to bolster their faith by having confidence in God, like their patriarch, Abraham. He had great faith. He's renowned for that. Abraham believed the promises of God. And God confirmed those promises with an oath. Now, what is an oath? A solemn appeal to deity. God is deity. Or to some revered person or thing. To witness one's determination to speak the truth. To keep a promise. That's what an oath is. Amen. You get people, they, they go and they have to, to be a witness. They, they go to uh, court or a magistrate court. Or whatever. They have to swear, or they did in the old days anyway. They swore on the Bible to tell the truth. Of course, in many cases, that doesn't mean a thing. But uh, that's what God does. He swears an oath on himself because there's no greater person in the universe to swear upon. And his promises are true and amen. An oath is to reassure the person who's being promised that it's true. Not always, but in God's case, it's always true because his promises are 100% reliable because it's impossible for him to lie. Not like other people. We're all capable of lying. In fact, a good majority of people don't have a problem with lying whatsoever. It just comes perfectly natural to them. But God cannot lie. It's in his character. It's in his nature. It's impossible. God swore oaths to Abraham in his own name since there was no one higher to swear by. And Abraham was assured that God's oath, he would carry out those promises. He would do it. Verse 15, it said, After waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. So the promises didn't come immediate, but they did eventually, and some are yet to be fulfilled. For these Hebrew believers, there would be no greater example of patient faith than Abraham. He waited a long time to see God's promises fulfilled. And many of them didn't happen till after he died. He didn't see all the promises fulfilled. Some of them that he did. The writer has to remind those believers that God's vows are unbreakable. God's vows are unbreakable. This was meant to give them reason to completely trust in God's promises, regardless of their very difficult circumstances. In verse 16, it says, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all the arguments. 
You know, for the sake of human reassurance, there are times when God swears on an oath because there is no one greater than God. Like I said, he swears an oath on himself. God chooses to use the concept of an oath because everything he says is true. And he has the power to do everything and anything that he says he will do. And he does it. Trusting in who God is and what he said ought to increase our faith as well. Amen? Have you experienced the fact God's promises in your own life, that they are true? Definitely. And those Christians, they had seen the fulfillment of some of those oaths that were made to Abraham as they look back in history. And they had more reason to believe the promises of God than Abraham did because in Abraham's time, there wasn't a Bible. There wasn't a Bible. He just believed God by faith. God said it. He believed it. That settled it. We should have the same attitude. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. For us today, our ultimate source of reassurance comes from the word of God. Abraham didn't have, he didn't have any Bible back in the old days before that. But he believed the promises of God. We have the word of God. Do we read it? Do we know what the promises are? It's full of promises for us. The Bible reveals the absolute truth that Jesus Christ is God. We can completely rely on what it says and totally believe God's promises that's in it. Verse 17, it says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. Again, when someone makes an oath, it adds an extra layer of reassurance that they're telling the truth, hopefully. You know, have you seen that program, Cops? You know, and they get caught and he says, oh, no, I didn't do it, I swear on my mother's grave, I swear on my kids. They're lying through the teeth. They're guilty. Oath makers have to swear on something greater than themselves. I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on my kids. Honest. <laughs> in, God's, in God's case, there's nothing higher to swear on than himself. Why? Because it's impossible for him to lie. God did this, 18, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. What are these two unchangeable things which prove God's oath are totally reliable? Number one, his character. He is all-powerful. He cannot change. He cannot lie. Therefore, whatever he promises, you can rely on it. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely certain. So that's number one. That's his character. What, uh, what's the second thing that proves God's oaths are reliable? Number two, time. Time proves that God's oaths are reliable. The Bible proves its authenticity, its reliability through historical events that have already happened, that have been predicted in the world. <laughs> 
in the word, historical events. So then he goes on to say regarding Christ, he's referred to as an anchor. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. This is verse 19. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. What's that? Christians believe the word of God, therefore they have hope. Amen? Because they know they're no longer condemned. They've escaped the penalty of death due to their faith in Jesus Christ. That gives us hope that when we leave this world, we're going to go to heaven. Amen? There's no greater, better hope and greater hope than that, knowing that regardless of what happens in this world, we don't have to go to a lost eternity and be separated from God forever and ever and ever. We're assured, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we will go directly into the presence of God. The last breath that we take. That gives us hope. Amen? We've got hope. We don't live without hope. Those that do not have Christ have no hope. He is our anchor. You know what an anchor is, right? Back in the early church, the anchor was a, a common symbol of hope for those early Christians that were suffering so much persecution because of their faith. Anchor is, provides the means whereby it holds the ship steady regardless of the tempestuous wind and waves. It holds it. Jesus is the anchor that secures our hope and our faith in his promises, especially when the storms of life buffet us. You know, life is not easy. It's not easy. It can be very hard. Have you discovered that yet? If not, you will. You know, but it wasn't easy for Jesus. He didn't have to come down here, did he? He could have stayed in heaven where he was. Everything was perfect in the glories of heaven. He didn't have to come down here and suffer like the rest of us. In fact, he suffered more than anybody who's ever been born for our sake. He didn't have to do that because he loves you, he did it. You know anyone that would do that for you? We have hope because Jesus was the first to enter into the inner place behind the curtain. It's metaphorical. What's he talking about? The sanctuary. Heaven. It's referring to heaven. That's what it means. Beyond the curtain. The inner place. The inner sanctuary. He was the first one to go in. The first fruits. And we're going to follow him. When it's our time to go. We'll see him. We'll see our loved ones that have received him as their saviour in this life. Unfortunately, as many people, friends, relatives, loved ones, we won't see because they never received Jesus during their lifetime. So he says that Jesus is our anchor, and he, now he's saying Jesus is the forerunner. I just alluded to that. He was the first one to go into heaven, right? Beyond the veil, the inner sanctuary, beyond the curtain. Verse 20, last verse, isn't it? where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. 
He did it for us. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Some say Melchizedek. I don't know what the... I don't, it doesn't sound right some, somehow anyway. We'll learn more about Melchizedek in the next chapter. Needless to say, Melchizedek was a high priest during the time of Abraham. Jesus, what he did on our behalf on that cross, our faith in him is secure. He's our refuge. He's our anchor. He's our great high priest who sacrificed himself for our sins. Like Melchizedek, the high priest, Melchizedek was a high priest during the Abraham's time. And he would make animal sacrifices for the sins of the people, including Abraham, who paid Melchizedek tithes. He paid tithes. This was even before the law was given, where it was required of the Jews to pay tithes. Long before it was required, Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, the high priest. Like I say, next week, Lord willing, we'll learn more about Melchizedek. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. He only had to do it once, and he did it. Mission accomplished. Shedding his sinless blood. He's gone ahead of us, having been crucified, buried, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven, and that's where he is now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making, making intercession for us. We can go directly into the throne room with our prayers. We don't have to go through a priest. We go through the high priest. Amen. He's our intercessor. He's the forerunner. Entered into the inner sanctuary. That's where we're going one day. So you don't have to fear death. Naturally, we all fear death. But we don't need to. He's the forerunner. He's there. He's waiting for us. I remember when I received him as my personal savior. It was like I could just visualize him with his arms open. Come back. Come to me. You know. And he drew me by the cords of love. And it's the best thing you could ever do. Jesus is the captain of our ship. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the founder of our salvation. He's the solid rock who brought, brought us with his life's blood. And for this reason, we can be confident in the promises of God and hold fast to him, our anchor. <laughs> So let me conclude then. I want to finish. Some of you may have heard of Priscilla Owens. You probably haven't. But I tell you, you've heard of the song that she wrote. And I'll quote it. I'm going to finish by quoting it. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. It is safely moored, twill the storm withstand, 
for it is well secured by the Saviour's hand. And the cables passed from his heart to mine can defy that blast through strength divide. It will surely hold in the straits of fear when the breakers have told that the reef is near. Though the tempest rave and the wind, wild winds blow, not an angry wave shall our bark overflow. It will firmly hold in the floods of death when the water's cold chill our latest breath on the rising tide it can never fail while our hope abides within the veil when our eyes behold through the gathering night the city of gold our harbour bright we shall anchor fast by the heavenly shore with the storms all past forevermore makes you want to look forward to getting to heaven even more doesn't it so what about you I'll quote Priscilla Owens again. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain? Will your anchor drift or firm remain? Question mark. Let's close in a word of prayer. Again, Father, we are so thankful for your word and the promises we found therein. We thank you that Jesus is our rock, a firm foundation where our faith is built upon. He is our anchor. And when the storms of life buffet us and the, the tempest rolls in and the the circumstances get beyond human endurance. We've got an anchor, the, the rock of our salvation we can cling on to, knowing that you've been through everything that we could possibly go through in every way and some. And we thank you that you bore the punishment for our sins on the cross. So we don't, we're no longer condemned we no longer have to stand before the great white throne judgment and be cast into hell and be separated from God for all eternity. Our destination is heaven, beyond the veil, beyond the curtain, the inner sanctuary where our forerunner, the Lord Jesus Christ, has entered in, the first fruits to bring us uh, to follow him because of what he did on our behalf on the cross. And I just want to encourage you, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, to call upon his name and by faith believe in what he did for you that you couldn't do for yourself. If you want to go to heaven, you have to go through Jesus, nobody else, because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen.
Amen. Well, thank you very much. God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.